that, Cap, the alliance has been broken because uh, Mace feels for you. He's got something for you. I appreciate that. Mace, I'm with you a lot of the time, too, buddy. I mean, I have that's what's called, George, in the industry. That is what is known as mutual professional respect. Mm-hmm. You see that right there? That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mutual I mean, professional respect, MPR. If you is ever that- see that. Somebody abbreviates it, NPR. You know what that means now. Mutual professional respect. I mean, me sound, and Steve it Mason. It sounds to me like he just feels bad for you. Just like, sorry for well, me. he probably does. I, I, I've been thinking about this. Do you go to like a school? Is there like some kind of a school that ESPN sends you to, George, that I have not yet been sent to about you, you debate till the death and you always hold out that you're 100% right, even if you're wrong? Did you go to that school and I didn't get an invitation? No, 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 no. Is that, I is don't that always debate till the death. I just debate to the death when I know I'm right. Well, like yesterday, for example. You know, you really made this whole big stink about the, the movie Young Guns yeah. and about how the song Dead or Alive from Bon Jovi was in Young Guns. Right. And you were, you, you were convinced. And then our listeners went and did the research and said, no, it was a completely different song, Blaze of Glory, that was in Young Guns too. Well, then and the was, internet lied because I looked. I I literally said on the air that I just Googled it, and that's what it came up. And I said to everybody, I said, "Listen, let me tell everybody something. This must be in, in, inaccurate. This is did not you right." Just sit there. Did you just like literally sit there and stew for like the entire like uh, last twenty one hours just for a blaze of glory? No, but what I did do is I explained to the to the listeners on Twitter they're wrong, and they said, "Well, what do you mean we're wrong?" I said. George Sedano is always right, no matter what. Well, no. So you people must be wrong because George said dead or alive was in Young Guns, too. So anyway, yes, I appreciate that Steve Mason is feeling for me that I'm on the receiving end of all of these harangues. I'm always on the receiving end of all of the I'm right, you're wrong. I like so to I'm, be right I'm, a lot. I think everyone understands that. Yes. See, there you go. Here's on IMDb. This is where I read it yesterday. I'm just I'm just telling you. So if if I was wrong, it's because IMD had this. Now, may, I, now maybe I didn't read it all the way through, uh, but it says here Emilio Estevez originally approached John Bon Jovi asking for permission to include the song "Wanted Dead or Alive" on the soundtrack. Right, but did it go on the soundtrack? Uh, I don't know if it did or didn't. I'm just saying that's what it says there. <laughs> so I, that's what I read. That's why I, I said that it must have been in the song. I did tell you, though, you were right about Blaze of Glory. Oh, thanks. Well, oh, listen, George, all I know is this. I wasn't stewing for 21 hours, but I was thinking to myself, I think ESPN sent George to, like, the Around the Horn Academy where no, you learn how to debate till the end. Yeah, and and I haven't been invited to that yet. Yeah, Around the Horn is not that kind of show, so I don't know. Maybe like Cap, first it's, take. It's kind of it's sports talk radio one oh one. Have a take and stick with it. Well, I don't mm. know about stick with it because I don't necessarily stick with it. I just you know I, I read the internet like you know <laughs> I, I I don't claim to be some sort of historian on Emilio Estevez movies. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, because it kind of sounded like you were yesterday, kind of a little bit. No, no. I actually feel like we had a, a much deeper argument, on, or not argument, or discussion <laughs> yeah. on the, the stuff about the hashtags, which I was literally reading off of the, the original like Twitter thing like that they had posted. Yeah, so all I was that I read that. through in its entirety, though. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? You're saying about reading stuff. Last night I said to my girlfriend, I go, hey, you know, we're supposed to go to Mexico this weekend down to Tijuana with our children, and we're building homes for underprivileged families. And that sounds like a nice thing to do, don't you think, George? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I don't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, not to be rude, but I just don't want to do it. Um, when I think about sitting in a car trying to come back across the border from Mexico to the U.S. for like the next four or five hours, I just don't see myself wanting to do that. Plus, Why don't I really you have was... global entry? No, I do have global entry. I do, oh, okay. as a matter of fact. I do. But, you know, with kids in the car, if they don't have it, et cetera, it can, can turn into a whole thing. And Why I don't they to have go... it? Do you... How long do you know you were taking this trip? Mm, maybe two or three weeks. Oh, well, yeah, so yeah, it's hard to hard. expedite that fast. Yeah, but I want to go see the Mountain West Conference football championship game in Carson on Saturday afternoon. And so I'm doing everything I can to try and get out of this really good deed. I mean, a real true Hanukkah mitzvah, okay? Mm. I'm going to go to TJ. I'm taking a hammer. I'm going to build houses with my 15-year-old daughter, something she really wants to do. And, mm. and we're going to help underprivileged people that could use our help. But I don't want to go. So I said to my girlfriend, I go, well, your, your father's not going. And she goes, what do you mean he's not going? And I said, well, yeah, I saw his email. He says he's not going. Then I went back last night and I reread the email. And he was like, okay, so it's me and Rachel and Scott and their kids. And we're all going. I was like, how did I misread that so badly? Sometimes I think I'm just going too fast and I just miss little details. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Mm. I do. Like you, I think. I mean, occasionally. But I feel like this is like a thing with you, though. You think so? I mean, I, I don't need to think. I mean, that we the audience can tell, can tell you about that one. I don't need to say anything. I don't feel like since you rely on the audience so much. I think last week uh, Mason also heard you kind of go off on me about how I don't like movies and, and how, like, you're like, you don't like movies. I'm like, no, I do. And you're like, you don't. You don't go. I mean, you don't. You don't know. know them. You walked into a theater and you asked a lady to give you a rundown right. on every movie and that? you decided to walk out. You don't like And I'm sitting on the other end going, but I do like movies. I do. In the when? In the nineties? Well, I, I watched Step Brothers the other night, Thanksgiving. That's from you the said 2000s. for like the thirty thousandth time. Yeah, no, it was like, like the I second understand. time I watched it. You know? I mean, there's a lot of movies beyond Step Brothers. Is my point. <laughs> Mace, I'm glad you're with me, my brother. I appreciate you. Okay, and I feel you as you feel me on the receiving end of the George Sedano daily beatdown. Hmm. Mm. How you feeling today, Georgie? I mean, I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. You know, I got to say, this Lincoln Riley story yesterday, spent a lot of time on it, right? It amazes me what happens thereafter. The notion that college football will be turned on its head because of one coaching hiring, I didn't really think much about it, really. But the Brian Kelly to LSU story is absolutely fascinating to me, and I feel like like one okay, has on. something R to do with the other. Again? Say that one more time. That, start with the Lincoln Riley thing again. What did so you Lincoln say? Riley, Lincoln Riley going to USC. Yeah. A lot of the reports were this is going to send shockwaves throughout yes. college football, right? Right. And then the Brian Kelly to LSU thing yesterday. I feel like wow, like college football has stolen the headlines from major league football and the money that's being thrown around there from the NBA and, and the, the Lakers mediocrity, from the Rams and what happened to them this past weekend and all these, these losses and these pick sixes. I just feel like college football and this Lincoln-Riley thing, when you ask me how I'm doing, it, it still blows my mind what took place over the last two to three days in the world of college football and how USC is kind of the centerpiece of it all. Uh, yeah, man. That, we talked about it yesterday for several hours. So, like, I... I USC has found themselves in a situation where college football has been turned on its head 
And, you know, some people out there will say the system is broken or that college basketball or college football, pardon me, is broken. And, you know, I mean, look, you could make that case. I mean, it clearly is out of control. I don't think there's any question about that. But USC is one of the schools that can flex their muscle. And we touched on it yesterday where it's kind of about time that they've joined that party because you can either flex your muscle and show them off and utilize them to your advantage, or you can sit back and just kind of twiddle your thumbs. And for a long, long time, it felt like they were twiddling their thumbs, and now they're finally like, all right, we're done being like just also rands or out of the conversation per se because yep. USC football should never be an also ran or out of the conversation to be nope, frank. They want it back in for sure, no doubt about it. I will say this though, I think that Lincoln Riley will be very very successful in his career at USC. I don't see Brian Kelly and this LSU marriage at all. I mean, I'm just blown away. I feel like Notre Dame is one of those jobs you get it, you hold it and you hold Why? it until they absolutely Why? kick you Notre out. Notre Dame door. can't win a national championship, dude. I he's understand. gotten blown out every time he's in the playoff. I got it. And the thing about it is, is it's I think it's a perception game. You know, like like here's Notre Dame. It's supposed to be one of the ultimate jobs in college football. Why? Well, they've got the NBC contract. They're on TV every week. If they're not at home and on NBC, ABC, CBS, somebody puts them on national TV. It's it's just that old school perception that I have in my mind about what Notre Dame is. And I don't think Brian Kelly necessarily just left to go to LSU because he was like, well, I'll go to the SEC because it's easy to win there. No, I think it's just it's pretty simple. Five million at Notre Dame, 10 million at LSU. I thought it was interesting that the Notre Dame athletic director came out and said he didn't even ask us to give him a shot. Like, can we match it? Can we can we give you a rate? He just took off. I think. Okay, but doesn't that kind of scream to you that he knows he can't win there? Um, I, I guess, I don't know. I can't decide I, I if guess? it's a money thing. Really? Yeah, I, I can't decide if it's just purely about money. Like, hey, five million let me, here, Okay, let, let's there. do it this way. Let's do it this yeah, way, ahead. okay? Ahead. All right, so you don't think that that screams to you. You gave it to, uh, gave me an I guess. Now, have you met Brian Kelly before? I'm just curious. I don't know if no, you have or haven't. No, so I asking. haven't. Have you? Okay, I have. Yeah, and man. The, what do you think of One him? thing I would say is, outside of Nick Saban, there uh-huh. is not a person, well, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. Outside of those two, there isn't a college football coach that I've met that has a bigger ego than Brian Kelly. And I mean that in not the most pleasant of ways. I'm not hearing it as pleasant. Go ahead. Okay. So you don't think – and and I'll give him this. He is an incredible X's and O's coach. Remember, before all this Luke Fickle crap, right, and I mean that nicely, um, he was the guy. That went undefeated at Cincinnati before taking the Notre Dame job, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was the guy that brought back Notre Dame from the depths of the awfulness of what was the last several years of Charlie Weiss, okay? He was the guy that got them to the playoff, albeit getting blown out, right, multiple times. He was the guy that has now won 10 uh, games or more, five straight seasons. He's the most winningest coach in Notre Dame history. So you're t- and, But here's something he said. When he passed Newt Rockney, okay, Newt Rockney, Notre Dame, Newt Rockney, the most synonymous name with coaching at Notre Dame, he literally said at his press conference, but yeah, you guys will hold it against me that I haven't won a championship to the media. So you're telling me that him not letting someone else match the offer isn't screaming that he realizes he can't win there? Well, I mean, listen, let me now, ask you Now, armed question, with all that? Can, let me ask you, no, still doesn't work for me. Let me ask you this. Does, does, could Lincoln Riley have won at Oklahoma? 
Maybe, but he clearly felt like he couldn't. Well, he didn't. Right, maybe is same, my point. Right, but right. he clearly so, felt I feel he couldn't. The same way. Right. Well, I feel the same way about Brian Kelly. When I say I guess, I'll use the different word this time. I'll, I'll say maybe. No, maybe. No, no. There's a difference. There's a difference. At Notre Dame, they have academic stand. At Notre Dame is closer academically to Stanford than LSU by a wide margin. Okay. It, it's not even in the same stratosphere. And that doesn't even account for the religious aspect of, of some of their um, prerequisites, okay, getting kids in. Lou Holtz talked about this for years, Scott, about having uh, to get uh, basically like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, uh, some sort of like bypass, right, on kids and things of that nature to get mm-hmm. them in the school to compete at the highest levels. And there's only so far that Notre Dame is willing to go. So, whereas with LSU, they clearly don't give rats you-know-what. Um, who the hell comes to school? I mean, they literally have been embroiled in scandal um, up until, I don't know, a couple months ago? <laughs> like, so, you know, and then going back to the Brian Kelly aspect of this, his ego is tremendous, okay, huge. He looks at guys like Ed Orgeron, a career assistant, winning a national championship at LSU. You don't think he looks at Ed Orgeron and goes, Give me a break. I got more coaching prowess in my pinky than in Orgeron. He might. Uh, of course might. I can go down there and win. Yeah, well, you're right. Listen, I perceive him. You're, you're so right on with this one. I'll give you this one, which is I put Brian Kelly in that same category of an Urban Meyer where he's just got that there's something about him that just makes you not like him and not root for him. I think Lincoln Riley is going to be really successful at USC. I think Brian Kelly is going to fall flat on his face at LSU. Why That's do you think, think that? Just don't see the, the, the relationship, the matchup. I don't like – there's something about him and that program and that history and that conference and that competition that just for me – all right, since My you're about to lose is, a bet to me I don't anyway. Think, yeah. Since you're about to lose a, a Lakers bet to me because LeBron which, which, is now on the I, which players now again, and safety protocol or whatever. I'm telling LeBron, hey, LeBron, I said it yesterday. I'm saying it again. If I lose this bet, which it clearly looks like I might, with potentially two losses to the Sacramento Kings, LeBron, be a mensch, okay? And, and at least come to my rescue and say, Kaplan took the Lakers. Kaplan bet on the Lakers. Sedano bet against the Lakers. You know what, Kaplan? Because I'm hurt. Now I'm in safety protocols. Guess what? I'm going to give the bottle of Camus to Sedano. How about what? that? Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But anyway, well, I'm just suggesting um, it. Just since you're going to lose that bet to me anyway, do you want to make another bet on Brian Kelly will win a national championship in the next five years at LSU? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Now, what would another you like to bet Camus, on that? Or do you want to do you want to go like Camus Select since we no, have no. a five year window? Right. Well, hold on. <laughs> exactly. We got a five year window, George. Let's bet a case of Camus. How about that? Okay. Sure. I'll take a case of Camus from you. Okay, or I will take a case of Camus from you. I mean, it's probably not going to be that, is my guess. Five years. Five years. Yeah. yeah. Brian right, Kelly so. is a really good coach, man. Um, he, he is a good coach. He, his success would tell you that. To have led Cincinnati to a 12-0 and record, to then have used Cincinnati as a stepping stone to get to Notre Dame, this is amazing. To use Notre Dame, and I, not that he was intentionally using Notre Dame, but to utilize I'm the coach at Notre Dame we're having a big year at 11-1 do you realize that it is still conceivable Notre Dame could sneak into the playoff and Brian Kelly's now the coach at LSU so the timing of it is crazy the storyline is nuts and I, I really do think it all started with the way USC 
went and got Lincoln Riley when so many people thought he might be headed to LSU, and then LSU saying, well, if USC went to Oklahoma and took their guy, maybe we could go to Notre Dame and take their guy. I find the and, whole and last couple it. of days in college and, football to be fascinating. And, and by the way, it's not over. I think that there are going to be more coaches from big programs that are going to leave that you're going to be like, what? what, yep. what what's happening there? Yeah, the, I know. Brian Kelly thought that a LSU team that has been 11-11 and 11 the last two years under Ed Orgeron was a better had a better shot of winning a championship than a team that you just mentioned could back their way into the playoff. Yep. Okay? Because if they back their way in, you know who they'd be playing? Georgia. You know what would be happening to that game? In that game, they'd get their ass kicked by 30 points. Uh no argument there. I mean, this one we will stand in agreement on. I Notre Dame is not really as good as advertised, and I still think Notre Dame gets the benefit of being Notre Dame almost Notre Dame. lost to Florida State. For God's sake, and they're terrible this season. Dude, and and the one the one loss they had was against Cincinnati, which is really the best win by far that Cincinnati had given their schedule and given the conference they play in the All American Conference. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen, I just think it's really interesting. I find that in the last two days, college football has been more entertaining off the field than it is on the field. That's. Uh, I mean, it's been I mean, don't get me way. wrong. Alabama Auburn was a great game. Oklahoma State Oklahoma was a great game. Uh, but seriously, what has happened here these last couple of days with the coaches and the money and the moving from programs that people like me thought, you don't leave Notre Dame. Oh, my God. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. You, you do. do. You leave Notre yeah. Dame for LSU. Yeah. Amazing. I, yeah, Notre Dame fans don't want to hear this, but they can't win a championship. Sorry, dude. It's not happening. Well, it's been since 1988, you know. Yeah, well, there you go. And this is the guy that got the closest, and he got rocked every time he played in one of those playoff games. Um, so, anyway, coming up next, the blame game is starting it seems like, on the Lakers. Now, we mentioned the LeBron stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But the blame game is starting. And uh, articles are being written, is all I'll say. But we'll catch you up on that in a second. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Such a great album. There's really not a bad song on the album. I really don't remember this song at all. Not one bit. What songs do you remember from the Thriller album outside of Thriller? Um, oh gosh, I wish I knew the uh, the album that well off the top of my head. I mean, if you don't, it's fine. Well, I don't, but uh, give me a couple okay, songs. Okay, how about I'll I name you. songs and yeah, then you and tell then me I'll, if you like it or not. I'll do okay. my, my, my rendition of them, you know? I know everybody loves that. No, no, well, I, how about please I name don't. songs and you tell me? What are you me, talking yeah, about? Please, please don't, do don't. Everybody loves that. No, not really. No. no. How about Billie Jean, for example? You know what Billie I mean? Like, Jean I love is Billie Jean is on that album, yes. I love Billie Jean. I'll give you another one that I really like. You ready? Okay, yeah. Beat it. Beat It is also on that album, yes. I do love Beat It. Yeah. Um, I'll give you another one I really like. I'm surprised like Christopher didn't go with that one when talking about you. <laughs> well, he could have, and it could have had multiple uh, meanings, I suppose. Yes. Um, yes. How about PYT? Pretty young thing. Tend to love and care, and I'll take you there. That's good. That is That's very actually good. not terrible. That I is mean, pretty good. Honestly, like you you do a lot of like impersonations of songs that are really awful. That one actually I, I maybe I'm grading on a curve at this point, but like <laughs> it, it wasn't that bad, actually. When I heard it, I was like, 
You know, that actually sounded like I may have carried the tune unintentionally. No, I, I mean, let's not get crazy. Okay? I mean, like, wasn't, I was trying, <laughs> but slow down uh, a little bit. I mean, it act, it, breaks, it sounded like, you know, like the song a little bit, whereas some of this other stuff you do. How about how about I, this one? You ready? Try this one out for size. You ready for this, George? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Why? Tell them that it's human nature. Why? Why? Does he do me that way? Uh, come no. on. No? Well, why did good? you uh there? Like you he doesn't uh in that song <laughs> there. Did he shum on at all? I don't think he's shamaned either, to you be frank so? with you. No shamaning? Yes, no. Oh. No. Oh, well. no. It's just the way I feel it, you know? Sometimes you yeah. just feel it and you give an uh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, you are a piece of work, that's for sure. Let's um, let's but, let's get that straight for sure. Yeah. Homeboy. Yeah. Um so anywho, if yeah. uh you missed a second ago, <laughs> we were talking about LeBron being out for now. He, he couldn't be out up to 10 days on health and safety protocols. By the way, that also doesn't necessarily mean he has COVID, by the way. That could mean he's just in close contact with someone that uh, had COVID, potentially. Um, and it also means, I, I think this is the one thing that people don't discuss enough, if he has two negative tests prior to the 10 days, then I, he can come back. So there's that part of the equation as well. But it, it is probably like 10 days is the is the potential scenario. Here. That is insane, really. And I say it like that, meaning this. You know, tonight, the Lakers are at Sacramento, okay? Then Friday, they play at home against the Clippers. So then Tuesday at home against Boston, Thursday on the road at Memphis, and then Friday at Oklahoma City. So what's today? today's date is the 30th. We're saying that potentially, worst-case scenario, 10 days might mean LeBron might not be back until Sunday, December 12th against Orlando? Correct. I mean, I'm doing my sort of math on the air, so don't call it like official. But mm-hmm. in in the worst case scenario, based on what I can see, I mean, maybe Friday, December 10th at Oklahoma City, maybe Sunday, December 12th against Orlando in the worst case scenario possible that he misses 10 full days. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, you're right. I might as well just take the Camus bottle and hand it off to you now because since I made this wager with you where I said the Lakers would win seven of their next nine, they've only won two of their most recent four. And so their next loss means I lose. It means you win. You get the bottle of Camus. Mm -hmm. Based on LeBron not being in the lineup tonight at Sacramento, the way Sacramento beat the Lakers at Staples Center, or am I supposed to start calling it now – like Bitcoin something or other, or... Crypto.com that, uh, Arena, and yes. I believe that doesn't start till Christmas Day. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I wanted to get the arena name right. Mm-hmm. But seriously, like with, with Sacramento already beating the Lakers at Staples, now tonight you're up at Sacramento with no LeBron, and this is my biggest fear, George, mm-hmm. because we know what the Lakers are without LeBron. Mm-hmm. They're not very good. Even mm-hmm. with LeBron, they're not yet very good. So without LeBron, take his 25 or 30 points out of the lineup, I might owe you this bottle of Camus tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you you very very well might uh, owe me the bottle of Camus tomorrow. We're gonna have a very short segment here um, because we have a very long break coming up. Um, so let me let me kind of sneak this in here real quick because I want to talk about it on the other side. So we talked. I mentioned kind of the blame game, and you and I have talked about this about Frank Vogel, right? Getting a lot of blame. Fans blame him, you know, whatever. And um, you know what ends up happening in these situations when teams underachieve is that, and look, it happens to every sport, right? Like, football happens the same way. Uh, the coach gets fired because you're not, can't get rid of the whole team, basically, right? So, there's been an article written by Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, who I like a lot. I think he's an excellent NBA writer. 
And he's going to join us at 5 o'clock, so we'll go a little deeper into it with him. But basically, he's saying the things that you and I have talked about, which is, are we really going to blame Frank Vogel for the roster construction of this team? Like, really? Like, that's what we're going to do? So let's kind of dive into some of the things he brings up on the other side. And also, our buddy Kendrick Perkins uh, did a really fine job, I thought, today on NBA Today uh, about one of the things that Russell Westbrook needs to do. So we'll get to all that stuff in a second. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Phil Collins had a stretch, man, where he was just crushing single after single. I mean, this is some good ballad music right here. This is very 80s ballady. Mm. We're talking about Michael Jackson earlier and Thriller. Can you name another song on on this album? No jacket required. I'm trying to think <sighs> no to myself. No jacket required was probably released. What it was like in the late eighties, eighty nine in that range, right? Well, so I'd have to think of the songs that also came out. Like is Susu Studio in that uh, in that on that Su-su album? Susu Studio. Uh, uh, Eight eighty five is when it came out. Oh, really? Okay, so there was before that. But Susu so that Studio, was... that, that, that was on there. It was? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, because I thought Susu Studio was 87 for whatever reason, but okay. Um, so, Susu Studio, there you go. There's one. How about um, uh, Don't Lose My Number? Anybody remember that song from Phil Collins, Don't Lose My Number? Anybody? No. I don't, but it is on there. Yeah. How's that go? I don't know. It goes like this. It goes, Don't Lose My Number. No, it doesn't. There's yeah. no way that that's yeah. the way the song like goes. goes like, <laughs> you, I gave you my number, so don't lose my number. No, no chance that that. You don't think that's the, the one? I think I'm yeah. carrying that tune really well. I think. Yeah. No. 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 No chance. No. Take Isn't it, home. baby? Baby, don't you lose my number? Cause I'm not anywhere where I can find you. It's that song. <laughs> wow. Like that nice job, that George. I like the way you fantastic. hit the high note. Really good. Really? You made, um, some more I'm trying to think. Sue Studio. What other songs are on that album? That, I do know Studio. that Baby Don't You Lose My Number. Yeah. Because then Millie Vanilli created a version that was different that was also called Baby Don't You Lose My Number. Is that the one you were saying? Baby singing? and Don't You were. Uh, baby and You were added into the sentence. That's it right there. Yeah. I've never heard this song. Yeah, I've heard yeah, this song. Yeah. You got to know the Phil Collins catalog to know this song. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you got to be an expert in post Genesis Phil Collins. Yeah, but I mean, this is, I mean, he rocked the 80s, man. Like, this was like uh, for sure, like a thing, you know? Uh, I'm trying to think. All right, let's how see about, how, how far about Take that Me song. Home. Anybody remember the song That's Take Me Home? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's this good. One, I know that. Because that was exactly the song I was singing, by the way. Where I can't find. This was a number four hit in the U.S., it went to number four on the charts. So it wasn't like uh, an insignificant. Uh, song it wasn't a number one hit but yeah uh yeah i mean look he's had a lot of great songs so shout out to phil collins uh anyhow where's that wait a second wait a second here's a little more phil collins for you oh take me home yeah, yeah. this is it 
So please, that song was also filmed in L.A. The video, I mean, not the song. Take me home. No, it's not that. It's yeah. take, take me home. Listen to this falsetto. Listen to these high notes Sedano is hitting today. I like it. Yeah, there's a bit. I remember the video. He was in front of the uh, Hollywood sign. That's not so. cliche. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so anyhow, Frank Vogel getting blamed. So Chris Mannix wrote a story today on SI, and I want to talk to Chris. We're going to talk to Chris. He's going to come out uh, and join us around 5 o'clock. And he basically said that Frank is being scapegoated for this stuff, that he's already hearing the whispers, basically, um, and that it's not Frank's fault that the team is 24th in offense and 19th in defense. When you look at it historically, and I agree with him, by the way. We've talked about this, you and I, Cap. Um, you know, Frank Vogel had the number one defense in the NBA last year, and he's had a lot of top defenses regardless of where he's been outside of Orlando. And by the way, you can't hold Orlando against him because outside of Stan Van Gundy, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, nobody's been good there, okay, um, for at least not a significant stretch of time. But his teams with the Pacers and the Lakers have all been good defensive teams until now. And the difference is they traded all the good guys on defense – Um, they flipped the roster of 15 guys and flipped 11 of them for a bunch of guys who couldn't defend. And when we started the season, what was the first thing I said to you when I looked at this roster? They're going to win a championship? No, but what is the thing I said about the roster? Oh, The thing that concerned me the most. Um, They're old? No, I didn't say the old thing mattered to me as much. That they couldn't play defense. Oh, oh, right, right, right. You said that. I forgot about that. Right, you said that. Yeah, they couldn't play defense. Yes. Yes. And it's bared out to be the case. They're 19th in defense. And by the way, they're 19th in defense when they've had one of the easiest schedules in the NBA to start the season. Yeah. You know, it's funny about that game against Detroit. This is Sunday night when there's about, I don't know, five seconds, seven seconds to go in the game. And the Lakers, I think, were up about five points. Don't quote me exactly on the numbers, but I'm pretty close. And I couldn't decide in the last series, did nobody on the Detroit team want to take the shot? Or did the Lakers do a really good job of forcing them to move the ball? No, they moved the ball around really well, and Stu Lance nailed it uh, when he was talking about how he said, like, somebody's got to shoot if you're Detroit. You right, and, keep I, passing I, it. I, and I'm thinking to myself, for a team like the Lakers who can't play defense, they've either stepped up and they're playing defense at the most critical time of the game, or Detroit is moving the ball and nobody wants to shoot it. Yeah. And I wasn't sure exactly what the case yeah, was. Yeah, no, no. Stu said it in real time. Like, somebody's got to shoot that ball. They keep just passing. <laughs> like, like there's enough shots there that could have been taken. Yeah, so it wasn't great defense. It was poor shooting. or Yeah, it's just a young team that just didn't know how to execute, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, man, now with LeBron going on this, this list and being out for potentially 10 days, um, we, we have seen who the Lakers are without him. So if you think that the Lakers are bad without him and they're not even really that much better with him, then what are they going to be here in the next couple of games? And particularly tonight, like if there's any fight, if there's any heart at all with this team, especially now articles are being written about, you know, who's to blame, is it the coach, will he get scapegoated, when's he getting fired, etc. Like if there's any heart on this team at all, Dude, you got to win this game tonight. You cannot lose to the Sacramento Kings two straight games against Sacramento. They came to your house. They beat you on your floor. You got to go there and return the favor regardless of who is or is not available. You're wearing the Laker uniform. They're wearing the Kings uniform. Win the freaking game.
Anybody feeling me? <laughs> it's a little overly simplistic, but yes, I get your point. It's, of course it's simplistic. It's not about X's and O's. It's not about defense. It's not about offensive sets. It's simply about I'm wearing a Laker uniform. You're wearing a Kings uniform. You came to our house and beat us. It was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Now, even without our superstar, without our leader, we've got to come to your place and we got to win the game. And let me ask you something. Do the Lakers have enough talent without LeBron James to win a game like this tonight? I mean, they should. The Sacramento Kings are not that good a team. Okay, that's the answer I'm looking for. They should. And if they should, then they should. Does that make sense? <laughs> make any sense to anybody i mean oh, i yeah. guess yes yeah sort of yeah. if they should then they should right right if they should have more talent then they should win the game uh yeah blame they, frank vogel come on they, give me a break man yeah I, I i don't think i think if you're blaming vogel you're just being short-sighted about the rest of this roster you know like you're just you're not um I mean, yes, they should win this. But by the way, do you know the Lakers have the toughest schedule moving forward for the rest of the season? Well, that's where the problem lies, right? I mean, the yeah. early part of the season, even as LeBron was out, everybody would say this, George. Hey, these games don't matter. Yes, they do matter. Oh, no, matter. no, no. no. I, I, I was never that. Like, you, you know, I was. people were mad that I was sounding an alarm after eight games. Well, listen, um... I was in panic mode after about 10 games. Look, you had the easy part of the schedule. Most of those games were played at home. And with or without LeBron, they should have won many of these games. This season will come to an end. And when it does, they will look back at the early part of this year and they'll say, guess what? Those games do matter. You, you don't lose to Oklahoma City when you have a 26-point lead. You certainly don't lose to Oklahoma City at home when you have a 19-point lead. Those losses, I'm picking those ones out in particular, they will come back to haunt this team. Oh, yeah, of course. And look, I, I, I'm a big believer of this. My buddy Tom Haberstro, who used to work at ESPN, who was one of our big analytics gurus, um, he he had – I mean, he did he crunched the numbers on this, like, historically. Like, you know, he, he actually went through um, and crunched the numbers on this, which is it's actually the first 20 games of the season – historically right now granted there are outliers out there of course um but historically the first 20 games of the season are more representative of playoff success than the last 20 games of the season wow that's interesting i'd never heard that before yeah seriously never heard that before and that's why when people tell me you know the nba regular season is meaningless things don't get exciting and important until the playoff yeah great okay fine but when you're supposed to be a championship-caliber contender and you've got an easy schedule and most of the games are at home, you're expected to bank wins, and they let these wins get away from them. And so now, when you're sitting there at 11-11, because you've let so many of these losses go, games that you should have won that you didn't, now here's where we are. Whose yeah. fault is it? It must be the coach's fault. So fire Frank Vogel, because guess what's going to happen? If they fired Frank Vogel today, tomorrow, things are not all of a sudden better. Things are not all of a sudden no, fixed. No, they're not. They're, I mean, there's, a, there's deeper issues than that. And look, we, speaking of those issues, we'll get to some of it on the other side. I also want to get into the Rams because Jalen Ramsey is talking about some stuff that got me thinking as well. Um, but I do want to get to the Kendrick Perkins sound that he had from today on NBA Today about uh, Russell Westbrook and LeBron and that relationship. We're going to touch on that, get into what Jalen Ramsey had to say, which I felt was a little bit of a veiled shot. 
Um, but we'll discuss that on the other side as well. I, I I love this song. I actually like this song more than The Wall, to be frank with you. You know, I know Chris, that that's a that's an absurd take to have, but no, I mean, The Wall's absurd. a good song and a good album. It's, it's you know? not absurd. Not but absurd. I actually enjoy this song more. Well, I love Billy Idol, and so Chris has already busted my chops because I mentioned my girlfriend. This was the sh- the concert she and I were at when we ran into each other, and we're like, "Hey, Billy Idol, you're here. I'm here. What's up?" Hey, I just so got So you divorced. went to Billy Idol like recently? No, no, this is a few years ago. It's about this is like um, March of 2019. Okay, but I, that's still fairly recent. Yeah, that's oh, what I've I'm seen saying. Billy Idol. I, I bet you I've what seen Billy, Billy Idol. What does Billy Idol look like these days? He looks like an old man who still has the same outfit on. You know what I mean? Like he okay. he looks like a much older dude who still yeah. got the white hair. He can't he's still, look great. Still got the thing with the lip that he does. Yeah. You know, he's still rocking like the leather and the chains. But I bet you I've seen Billy Idol probably three or four times in the last maybe five or six years and he looks uh, ragged i'm looking at him here yeah he doesn't look so good huh and um i ran into her that night i was like hey i'm divorced she's like me too i'm like hey let's do a beautiful thing all happened because of billy idol (laughs) eyes without a face yeah like that song did he sing them all he sang all those songs that night george he was doing a an acoustic set with him and his lead guitar guy and he was sitting on stage in front of probably two or three hundred people Telling stories about the songs and about the years and the oh, tours. Oh, that actually sounds pretty cool. That no, was frank cool. With you. It was yeah. cool. It was pretty cool. Saw Pink Floyd one night. Uh, you'll appreciate this down at Dolphin Stadium in Miami. Mm-hmm. I was in the top row. I was in the nosiest of the nosebleed section. I mean, the worst, cheapest possible seats you could find. In fact, they had a blimp flying around the stadium. I could have sworn I could have reached out and touched it. I was so far away from Pink Floyd. I was like. Is that really them down there? I can't tell. I don't know. I mean, maybe they just got actors playing Pink Floyd, and it's just a big, you know, uh, uh, karaoke show of some kind. I mean, I was so far away from Pink Floyd, I have no idea if I really saw them. I was there. I was at the concert. I heard the songs. I sang along. But I don't know if it was really them. That's how far away I was. It could have been, um, you know, like, Mildly Pink Floyd, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. You know I have a thing for cover bands or yeah. Fuchsia Floyd bands. is what it could have been, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not exactly Pink. Right. Lavender Floyd is who Correct. they were. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Lavender's actually very good for you if you need to sleep. Did you know that? Uh, I don't think that I did. Yeah. If you go, there's a fancy hotel chain. Not so, well, maybe not fancy. Is it Doubletree? One of those hotel chains has, like, uh, they have, like, uh, little plastic bottles with like a little roller on it, almost like remember the old school roller like deodorants, mm-hmm. but it's like super small. Like I want to say like maybe an inch and a half, um, and uh, and and you can roll on like uh, lavender oil on your on your pillow or on your body or whatever, and it's supposed to help you sleep. Okay, this is very good information for all of us to know. This is very very good. I mean, you know, if you have trouble sleeping, you know. Yeah, I thought lavender. lavender was just like a color or something. I didn't know that it was a sleep aid. No, it's an actual thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's a flower. Yeah. Oh, lavender. You didn't realize flower? that? Like, you, like oil, you, man. you just thought it was a color? Yeah, I didn't know. Oh dear. <laughs> Use the meal. <laughs> Laura, did you know that that lavender's good for you to sleep? Yes, I have lavender oil, like essential oil is amazing. Yeah. I diffuse yeah. it and you relax yeah. so well. I- I think it is Doubletree that has that. I know they also have those fancy cookies at Doubletree, but they, I'm pretty sure it's uh, – those things are delicious. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure they're the ones that also pass out the little lavender thing, like a little roll-on. It's really it's nice. a nice little touch. Very classy. Lovely. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Um, so real quick, because Mannix is going to join us in a second, let's talk Rams here real quick and then see if we can sneak in Kendrick Perkins' thoughts on Russell Westbrook from today on NBA Today. 
Um, so Jalen Ramsey, Lindsay, you actually had the quote uh, from Jalen Ramsey earlier, uh, or from yesterday, I guess, or from this last couple days after the game. And he kind of talked about how teams are having success on them on defense. Now, we've sat here yesterday and or the day before and, or whatever uh, talking about, like, at me specifically, talking about how bad their defense has been. And I'm like, yo, Raheem Morris, what's up? Um, so Jalen Ramsey, I don't know if he actually came out and actually said it, said it, but I feel like he's echoing my sentiments about the defense in a lot of ways. So, Linz, what did he say? Uh, the parts that I noticed were when he said, we have guys that are way too good for us to be lo- losing games like this. Uh, and then he said, offenses are definitely trying to get matchups where they think may be best for them. They're definitely doing their homework. Yeah, uh, that to me, I mean, Kaplan, I don't know about you. That sounds like a veiled shot at his at, at the defensive coach. Well, that- I mean, listen, there's a stat out there, and I'll, I got to find it. Somebody probably will know it, and then somebody will tweet it to me. There's a stat that says that Sean McVay's record when leading at half is very good and when trailing at half is very bad. And there's some numbers to back that up, but that would require me doing the research, which I clearly haven't done. So here's the thing. Um, you have to be able to analyze what's going on and make adjustments at halftime. And it just, based on the numbers, where we're winning games when we're leading at halftime, but we're not coming back in games where we're trailing at halftime, that, that tells you, at least it tells me, the, the adjustments that need to be made in-game aren't. And I wonder when Jalen Ramsey says, you know, we've got guys that are too good to be losing games like this and losing games on the road, well, what's he, what does he mean, and losing games on the road? I mean, winning is hard enough in the NFL at home, let alone losing on the road or winning on the road. So well, I'm not really positive what he's talking about, but I, I think what you're saying is that you think he's taking his shot, be it at the head coach, the defensive coordinator, the coaching staff. I mean, it sounds like Ramsey might be taking his shot. Yeah, I, I, so you agree with that is what I'm asking you. Yeah, I think so. I, I, think, that, I think that players always think we've got the talent, and if it's not – happening then it's not us and look i I, aaron donald to me is the best defensive player in the nfl or let me rephrase a lot this season it feels like yes let me rephrase it he has been the best defensive player in the nfl over the last four or five seasons and this season i just don't see aaron donald disrupting games the way he has the last four or five do you do you buy that yeah and i think a lot of that is scheme right like i don't think he just stopped being a good player don't you think I think that teams are scheming for him, number one. I think number two... But, you know, but this- real quick, can I pause you and say, you mentioned adjustments. I wanted to, uh, to kind of um, add to that. Yeah, go I ahead. mean, people think of adjustments, they just think of offense. Like, you can adjust on defense, too. I don't think people talk about that enough, and I think that that is part of the equation that I think could be missing here as well. Well, I, I, why do people think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach? Is it just because of the six Super Bowl rings? Well, that's obviously a metric that you use to define success. But on the other hand, the thing about Bill Belichick is he finds ways to take from offenses in particular what they're good at. And and it just doesn't look like this year's version of the Rams defense. Now look, they lost their defensive coordinator. He was only there for a year. So let's not let's not chalk every bit of success last year up to Brandon Staley, but they did lose their defensive coordinator. They lost at least three, maybe four starters on the defense, some of which came from the defensive line, some of which came from the secondary. And so they're not the same defense from a personnel standpoint that they were a year ago. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that is true. But I also think that they're still – they shouldn't be this bad is kind of my point. Um, listen, we can get back to that a little bit. I know we didn't get to the Kendrick Perkins thing where he talked about Russell Westbrook and what Russ needs to do about this relationship with him and LeBron, um, how to kind of make it better, um, which I think the, when he, the way he said it uh, will kind of surprise some people. We'll do that after Mannix, before Radio Tinder. We'll do that, Okay. Uh, or maybe we'll cut Radio Tinder short. But either way, we'll do it in the 515 segment because Maddox is going to join us. He's got a story about Frank Vogel out at Sports Illustrated. 